You're listening to The Climate Show. Last week, Simon attended Resisting Climate Change, a panel discussion organized by Divest Concordia to bring together Indigenous activists to discuss the possibilities and limitation that they face within Canada when it comes to mobilizing for the climate justice movement. There were many interesting speakers, so much so that we've decided to cover them over the span of two episodes. This week, we'll be focusing on Vanessa Gray's talk. So hi, uh, my name is Vanessa, I'm from the Amjanong First Nation, I'm Anishinaabe Kwe, and I am from the Bear Clan. Vanessa has been working with community members to bring awareness to the health issues resulting from her reserve's toxic surroundings. She is an organizer with ASAP, Anjanab, and Sarnia Against Pipelines. Here's what she had to say. Um, okay, so uh, I come from um, the Anjanab First Nation. It's uh, surrounded by over 60 high-emitting facilities, which makes up 40% of Canada's petrochemical industry. Um, and so, um, ironically, um, it's in possibly hard to um, mobilize people around climate change in a small uh, industrial town like Sarnia. Um, Even though um, we are aware that um, indigenous people in my community are disproportionately impacted by such a large industry and we share a fence line with companies like Shell and Suncor and Imperial Oil, um, which are all um, multi-national companies that have um, immense power and immense money. Um, So um, in a place where education is shared, let's take Concordia, for example, um, talking about uh, climate change might be easier than a place where uh, everyone's livelihood is based off of um, Shell or Suncorp. Um, so my unique challenge uh, when facing environmental racism um, is looking at the basic facts and how uh, the environment uh, and the people are a reflection of the damage that's being done um, uh, by companies that are being negligent and uh, not being held accountable for uh, releasing um, carcinogens in the air and in the water and not cleaning it up. Or not telling us that it's happening with so many facilities in the, I don't know, someone gonna just do this. (laughs) Sorry. so, um, so what we have is a basic fact. Basic, the fact is there are, I'll say it again, over uh, 60 high emitting facilities surrounding a community of 800. That is uh, unacceptable. You wouldn't move to a place like that. Um, uh, but many people who I talk to about my community ask me, why don't you move away from such a problematic situation? 
The truth is, if you're not aware of this already, the Canadian government is fully responsible for putting Indigenous communities in danger, not only on Janong, but probably most of all Indigenous communities are directly impacted by industry due to extraction, due to refining, or transportation. And what I mean by transportation is pipelines, that's like a thing in the news which you'll hear more about. Um, uh, freighters carry extremely dangerous products and they come in and out of um, my community all the time. And, um, and trains, they, they have illegal tracks going through my community which is already small enough and uh, they carry extremely dangerous product in and out all the time and industry runs 24-7 and they never stop because if they stopped then it would be dangerous for us. Um, so uh, what we have seen from uh, living so close to um, industry like this is that um, there are high amounts of benzene and sulfur dioxide and uh, all of these chemicals which don't uh, belong in, um, first of all, the workspace is not safe for those people who work there, but, those, but us who don't work in industry and who go home to uh, the Chemical Valley uh, are also being impacted without benefiting from these companies. Um, what happened was these industries quickly bought up the cheap land around uh, surrounding uh, the reservation that the government put us on. Um, and our reservation area just got smaller and smaller um, because industry saw that there was, um, there was a great use of the St. Clair River, which is in this picture here. Um, if you could just see, keep, yeah, um, you kind of can see it, kind of not, but that's like, that's the problem that we're faced with in Amjadong is that this is a, this is one of many, uh, refineries in our area, um, and for me as Anishinaabe Kwe, as an Indigenous woman, um, with, um, the knowledge of my ancestors and how they traditionally lived off the land. Um, we traditionally had the whole Great Lakes. That was our territory. We, uh, we were never in one place. We didn't choose to be on the reserve. We were forced onto reserves. And we, um, we always migrated around the lakes. We didn't, I don't think we necessarily left our territory, but we definitely migrated much in a much larger area, and we used the Great Lakes as a means of transporta transportation and trade. And, this, and we were fishermen. We lived off of fishing in the Great Lakes. Um, and so our livelihood was taken away by uh, the government of Canada, by the borders in place. Um, so now we, were, we once used the St. Clair River, but now it's um, a border for uh, Ontario and Michigan. And, um, and the fact that we can't pick our, our sacred 
uh, traditional medicines on our own land because it's toxic. I don't feel safe going on the land, spending four days and four nights without food or water, taking part in the ceremony that I have inherent right to because there might be a release or a spill of a toxic chemical in the air and I wouldn't know because I would be on the land and that's just not a safe place to be for indigenous people anymore. And um, and so this is this is the problem. We're being our land is being impacted by these companies. Our bodies are being impacted because um, not only from cancer, but there is a, a thirty percent of women in Amshanong uh, are have experienced miscarriages or stillbirths within their lifetime. And 30% might not sound like the greatest number of all, but if you look at a community of 800 of men and women, and then you break that number in half to, or we'll say half of women, so 30% of those women have experienced still stillbirths or miscarriages. Um, it's impacting um, the pregnancy, obviously, what they're breathing in is causing problems. Um, and there was the skewed sex ratio, which was um, researched um, just by going door to door to see um, the, the ratio was off. There was two girls for every boy for, for years in Amshanong, and they couldn't figure out where all the boys were going. And it was because the pregnancy is so heavily impacted um, by what the mother is breathing in that now the chemicals are deciding that there's going to be less boys and girls. And this is just based on where we live, not based on diet or what the mother is doing. It's based on where we live. And we only were only there because we were forced onto reserves. And then the back in the day when, then when they introduced this idea of the reserve, it was to get the Indians out of the way because what Canada is and what it represents is resource extraction. And that's the only reason why uh, colonialism is here because they saw the resources, they want to extract it. The only people who stand in the way of that is indigenous people. Because we have that inherent right to the land, we have our inherent right to our traditions and our culture, and that is the land. We live by the law of the land. We don't live by the laws given to us by, um, by the federal government. Um, so, um, as I was saying, it's, uh, defending the land is a responsibility of mine and, um, and all of us who, who see that there's a problem here. Um, these are just the companies that are in the area. Um, and what uh, I did when I was younger, I started off when I was still in high school, I started off just like with a Amjanong Green Teens group, which was just a space for um, young people to come together and explore the frustrations of living in a place like the Chemical Valley. And in high school, it's hard enough when you deal with racism, but you deal with um, racism on a much deeper level when you go home and you're no longer safe because you're closer to your own home. Um, 
And so from there, I wanted to branch off to obviously elders need to be involved. People with just mothers who are concerned for their children need to be involved in resistance. And so we grew to a, a new group called um, Omdenon and Sarnia Against Pipelines, which is the group I work with now. Uh, we started by organizing against the um, Enbridge's Line 9, which starts in Sarnia and um, obviously comes here. I don't know if any, you all know of that, but, um, and it puts the Great Lakes at risk. It puts many people's main drinking water sources at risk. Um, so we organized um, around bringing awareness to that issue, and once the National Energy Board approved the um, Line 9B, um, we took direct action, and the construction for um, the updates on the pipeline um, were, were always stopped. We always like stopped construction for at least a little bit, um, there's always resistance against this pipeline. There's continued resistance against this pipeline. I'm now facing charges, including endangering lives of others uh, under mischief, which is up to 25 years, and endangering or mischief over 5,000, which is up to 10 years, um, for shutting down Line 9 in December. So there's a court case of mine that I'm going through but also Chippewas of the Thames, which is another First Nations reserve not far from us, um, is taking uh, Enbridge to the, to the Supreme Court uh, for an injunction on the pipeline. Um, and this is where, it's not that Line 9 is the biggest issue, it's just one of many issues that connects us all. It connects me to you, because this pipeline starts in my backyard, but it ends here. Um, and this is why I try to connect me to you, because you're in danger of this pipeline. It starts in my backyard, and your drinking water is endangered right now. You're in a sacrifice zone because of Enbridge, because of the National Energy Board. Um, and I know what it's like to be in a sacrifice zone because I was born into it. Like, I was always taught by my elders that you have the responsibility to the territory, to the people you were, to the nation you were born into. And I was born into, to the Chemical Valley. I was born into one of the largest problems. And talking about climate change is not the subject people want to talk about in Sarnia. Um, I don't know how to make that connection um, because there's because of environmental racism, um, it is extremely abusive and it's it's genocide on a much um, lower key level because once it was no longer acceptable to kill someone for being indigenous, they tried to assimilate indigenous people into society and then once that didn't work we are still dying from these chemicals that they're continuously releasing into the air this isn't a problem as it is they're only growing bigger and getting more dangerous because these facilities that they built and like when they hit first hit oil in our area are still standing there and they're still working today 
do you, like these refineries weren't built to last forever, but they're using them as if they were. Line nine is a problem because it's such old um, infrastructure. This pipeline is 40 years old and they're only now reversed it and only now uh, changed the type of product, which is a much heavier, denser product that needs more pressure and a higher temperature. And we've seen this idea of Enbridge's bill in Kalamazoo, Michigan, when 6B ruptured and still has not been cleaned up. We cannot survive a, a pipeline rupture like Line 9 because there's no way of cleaning it up. They spent over a billion dollars now trying to clean up Kalamazoo, Michigan, and it's still not cleaned up. There's not enough money in the world to, to clean up bitumen, to clean up the Alberta tar sands. Um, and this is why we need to take direct action. This is why we need to put our lives on the line. This is why I'm facing life in prison because, because there is no other choice at this point. And I realize that it's a responsibility of mine uh, because, I, because I drink the water, because I breathe the air, and I'm thankful that my grandfather held a gun to the Indian agent when he came to take my grandma to residential school. That's how she avoided residential school. She was in the closet and my grandpa pulled a gun and said, you're not taking my kids. And, and I'm thankful for decisions like that because it's resistance and it's maybe not the most peaceful, but it got me here today. And so it's a privilege to, to fight for, for the land and for, and for the air and for the water. So that's it for another episode of The Climate Show. Tune in next week for part two of this panel discussion, where we will be discussing the climate justice situation in Gananoke. The Climate Show airs 8.30 to 9 Monday mornings on the Monday morning afters at CKUT 19.3 FM. The Climate Show is a CKUT co-presentation. Climate change isn't over, but our show is. See you next week.